Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's talk some Illini hoops. We bring in Derek Piper to talk about a big-time official visit coming in this weekend, a top 100 recruit in the class of 2023 as Illinois tries to add uh, to what was a big, big first edition in Imani Hansbury, who's now a top 60 prospect in the class. Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn. Kind of a, a late arrival here because he was once committed to Purdue, uh, but is certainly a top priority target. Derek Piper will break that down. We'll also talk about the practice basically starting and that 20 hours a week will start in the next week or so here uh, for Illinois where the staff gets a lot of time with their new look team. We'll break down some of the biggest storylines there. Uh, and also Zachary Perrain, not a part of this team at least for the first semester, maybe the entire year. We'll talk about that as well. But Derek Piper, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Welcome back from Boston. Yes. You got to give me your review. I think first time at Fenway, right? Yeah, well, I, I did a tour of Fenway about four or five years ago. Me and my wife fell in love with the city, uh, walking the Freedom Trail, getting good beer. Uh, just a great city, especially at this time of year. Uh, September, October is when I've been there. The first time we went Boston to Cooperstown, fantastic trip. One of our favorite trips. Uh, this time it was just a 48-hour getaway from mom and dad getaway. Uh, and uh, we just ate a lot of food, drank a lot of beer, went to a ball game. But yeah, Fenway, it's just the experience, man. So much history there. You see the red seat where Ted Williams hit a ball 500 feet. I'm thinking of when I was in, a senior in high school, Derek, the the bloody sock game, all that. Like mm, I yeah. dislocated my ankle. Uh, in football that week and what I what kind of kept me like upbeat was watching the Red Sox do that with the Yankees um so that's what I kept thinking back of but to me it was a lot like Wrigley I, I might say like Wrigley with everything around it I might have higher on my list but but definitely a, a great ballpark to get off your bucket list they were playing the Royals probably would have felt different playing the, the Yankees or something like that uh but it was still really cool to be there yeah, I got a chance to go there a few years ago. Seeing the Green Monster, it's a smaller park than maybe it looks like on TV. That was something that I kind of took away, although you get that sense from Wrigley as well. But, yeah, certainly for us, our generation, more than Manny Ramirez, Kurt Schilling, Johnny Damon type of Red Sox teams, but you definitely appreciate the history as well. And, yeah, always good to get a good getaway. Um, me and Haley's first one coming up post-baby this week and going to St. Louis to see Kevin Hart. So There you go. Uh, that'll be fun. But, yeah, I love Boston, and I – I, I was glad you got a chance to check out Fenway for the first time. Yeah, I, I mean, Fenway's definitely up there. Like, uh, Dodger Stadium, I didn't love, like, you know, when you get to some of these old parks, the amenities aren't very good, right? So, like, I, I know I'm biased, but, like, 
the White Sox Park like has some of the best amenities, food, beer, you know, sights, all of that. Like it is really, really well done. You're not going to get that at Fenway, but that's not why you go, right? Like you're not going for a, a, a Fenway Frank or something like that. Um, Dodger Stadium is kind of the same way. It's kind of hard to get around that stadium, but the views of it, the history of it are unbelievable. So I almost have those like in their own tier. I'd probably have Wrigley above Fenway and, and then probably Dodger Stadium. Uh, but they're, you have to go there. Like I've been to 17 stadiums and those three all had just a different feel. I will say of the 17 stadiums, PNC park in Pittsburgh is by far my number one, by far my number one. And you know, my, might be my number two, Derek is your St. Louis Cardinals. Like the view ballpark village. Um, it's just the, the new state. It's so good. It's so good. It's a great place to go see a game. The fans do know their baseball. I know that part of it, but just everything around it is built around that park, uh, and they have all the new amenities, all those things. So I'd probably have St. Louis number two on my list, even though I've I've been to a tour of San Francisco. I can't give you a game day, because uh, I hear San Francisco is up there too. Yeah, I've always wanted to go to what used to be Pac Bell Park out there in San Francisco. PNC for me is number one as well. Just the view looking out beyond the outfield to that bridge that we walked a few times. Back in March to cover the NCAA tournament there in Pittsburgh. That was a, a good time. Our, our friend Joey Wagner joining us on those uh, adventures as well. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and did you see any subliminal messages on the Fenway scoreboard? You know, like a Field of Dreams style, anything like popping, there's going to be a commit coming soon, or Illinois football <laughs> going to win six, seven games? Uh, I was a couple Sam Adams, Brick Red Ales in at that point. I, was, I wasn't looking for those. But, but just like explaining to my wife the dimensions of that park. Like we were – two rows from pesky pole which is 308 feet but to hit a home run there you gotta like curve it around like if you ever seen the movie uh what was the one with jimmy fallon um what was with drew barrymore oh yeah that movie i it, I'm, can't think of the the red Sox movie right now but they talked about fever that. pitch yeah fever pitch and uh yeah, put it out of my mind because they beat the Cardinals in the World Series at the end of that movie. That's so. right. That's right. Yeah, they had to change the whole movie. They had to go reshoot it and everything, and pay a bunch of money for it. But it was kind of a good way to end the movie. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it was just explaining my wife to that. But unlike Wrigley, they like the scoreboard is in the Green Monster, right? They have to come out each inning onto the field to change the score. So I'm watching, hoping the the freaking twins could beat the guardians just once. And I just see that score going up and up and up, but it's every like 10 minutes. So it's kind of old school. Um, that, that was interesting, but it doesn't have like nine innings of scores. It just has the, the one nothing or whatever it is. So it, it's cool being there, man. It's just like a blast from the past. Once you get in there. About throwback for sure. Yeah. All right, Derek. Well, people didn't come for the baseball talk. Hopefully they enjoyed it. Uh, Zachary Prane kind of knew this was, uh, you know, at least, unknown of whether he would be able to get here seem to have some admissions issues getting in here uh it seems like he would have had these issues a lot of places so i don't think it's just uh an illinois thing here but he decides he's going to go to a sunrise christian uh in kansas um where illinois has really good um, relationships there but he gets to the states he says he's committed to illinois what are your thoughts what are you hearing on, on zachary perrine not being with the team uh at least to start the season well, it's a disappointment because obviously Perrine's coming to the United States to play college basketball, and he was pretty much in position to do that, just fell short as far as the admissions hurdles that you have to go through, which admittedly is sometimes a lot for international students. And when you commit and decide to go to college that late in the summer, that can play into it as well. So Illinois was trying to work with him and get things ironed out. Ultimately, it didn't work out to get him in this fall. But the fact that, I mean, he's still, he just turned 18 years old, so he's 
along the same lines of a traditional high school senior in terms of age. Uh, and just to to miss him this year, I don't think kills the team by any means. You're not gonna you weren't relying on him to come in and be a starter or a key piece off the bench. I think they know his upside. Like if he was able to come in and be able to, he's got a lot of skill and and he's played well in those FIBA competitions. It's just whether his strength is going to be there and whether stepping up and playing Big Ten level competition, whether he could give you a whole lot. But he could have competed with Brandon Lee for some emergency minutes at the five and, and just seeing what that ultimately looks like. So, uh, but playing at sunrise where they've got a bunch of talent, John Bowl is a, a five-star in 2024. They got a bunch of others, Mattis Brazilis from the state of Illinois. He's probably going to go. I think he is going G league and uh, just a number of top 50 caliber talents. That he'll be in practice with every day to work with and continue to work on his game. And yeah, as you mentioned, I think ideally Illinois being that he was so close to get admitted, maybe, I think there is a possibility of him getting in at mid-semester, uh, and we'll see what that looks like. But, uh, yeah, it's not a huge a huge yeah. deal as long as he sticks with that commitment, which I think there's a high level of confidence that he will, and uh, he'll be at, in Champaign ultimately at some point uh, down the road. Yeah, I don't think this has a huge impact on the season, right? Um, Zachary Perrine is a developmental prospect. He's a really intriguing one that we think has a decent ceiling to him. Uh, again, became a prospect late in the process, so he's not ranked. We don't know where he'd be. Would he be top 100? I don't know. Uh, but he's certainly an interesting big body uh, that that for a decade or so, Illinois was struggling to land those kind of players. So to add a prospect like that behind what you have in Dane Danger, Coleman Hawkins, would have been nice. Would he have played more than Brandon Lieb? I don't know. Um, maybe. But I think those are the kind of minutes we're talking about, right? And I, I think the the hard part is you lose the development with Fletch. You lose the development with Jeff Alexander every day. You lose the development of just getting on campus and acclimating yourself to the U.S., to a new language, right? Like, that, that can be a barrier. Um, so all of those things, I think, would have helped him. But the fact that he's going to Sunrise Christian, like that's that's a high level of competition. That's a really good program, as you talked about. Some of the players he's going to be going up against, um, you know, he's played some good competition in Europe. But but some of those guys he's talking about are going to play in the NBA. Um, so I, I think that's that's not the worst scenario here for for Zachary Perrine and his development. And if they can get him here mid semester, Derek, there will be no pressure on him to play. Um, he'll get some of that acclimation. He'll get that time with Fletch. So if they can find a way to get him in January, that's that's almost ideal because you almost get like a mini college in Sunrise for a semester. And then if he's able to get here in January, which I don't know if he will be, right? I don't know. But it, if we're playing that scenario, I think that could almost be ideal for him. No doubt. And, yeah, Sunrise is essentially that middle ground between what's a traditional high school program and college basketball. It's been a college basketball factory and turning out high major prospects and to play against good competition, to be away from home, to be uh, in the United States where obviously he's going to go through some of the same acclimation processes of being away and being around guys from the United States and, and learning English even more uh, as a the primary language around here. I think that certainly plays to it. But yeah, if he can get in in January, get with Fletch, work with Dane Danger and Coleman Hawkins, going against them in practice, uh, and then also, you know, having the development with Jeff Alexander on the court. We, we've talked a lot over the years about how much Brad likes bringing guys in uh, that year before they're really playing a lot, even if whether they're eligible or not. And he would be eligible if he were to come in mid-year. But uh, even if he didn't play and was just practicing and learning the system and getting comfortable at U of I and then going into next year where maybe Coleman Hawkins does make that jump to the NBA and there's more minutes to be had for Perrine and then 
Hansberry coming in as a freshman. So, uh, yeah, there, there's not a big – it doesn't move the needle much in either direction for Illinois basketball's season outlook by him not showing up. But it definitely is something that you wish would have played out a little differently. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Uh, maybe in years past this would have been a bigger deal. But uh, with what Illinois is doing with the transfer portal, like if, if this doesn't go as planned, like there's just other ways that Illinois can still accrue talent and, and still make it through without having maybe their complete roster. But it is worth noting they would be down to 11 scholarship players. They are down to 11 scholarship players uh, at this point. Not quite Michigan State, but uh, not, not too far from it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, Derek, the big news is Dre Gibbs Lawhorn is visiting, taking an official visit to Illinois this weekend and again, kind of comparing this to previous years, this would have been like the biggest deal. Uh, but given what Illinois has accrued talent-wise and on the roster, maybe it's not as buzzworthy, but still a very big visit coming up. Top 100 recruit, formerly top 50 recruit uh, at one point, was committed to Purdue, um, decommitted. Purdue didn't seem to have an issue with that and, and seemed to be driving part of that as well. But um, what do we know about Dre Gibbs Lawhorn? First, let's let's start off with why Illinois is so interested in this six foot two guard out of Indiana. First and foremost, he's really talented. You mentioned it there. He's been in the top fifty, and at one point, as a sophomore, prior to his injury, he was a top ten prospect. I know it's really early in terms of evaluating and for scouts to really get a full glimpse of that class. But at one time, for twenty four seven sports, he was a top ten prospect in the country solidified himself as in that top 50 range more recently and then dropped a little bit outside. Now he's in that at 75 to, to 80 range right now. And uh, to that point, he suffered a broken ankle and foot fracture uh, and was out for a year. So he's a year removed from that, but Illinois loves his talent. He's a very gifted scorer. Uh, they see their backcourt right now, which is freshman reliant and then just kind of rather thin at the point guard position, needing another, ball handler in that mix uh you know it's a fast-paced system it's a system that plays multiple ball handlers and just having another guard that can make a play off the dribble that can make a read in a ball screen they see him being able to do that and when he's coming available at this point and they've been 
kind of dabbling in that point guard market. They, they looked at a few in the transfer portal uh, over the offseason. And then uh, we talked about Nicola Moretti, the point guard out of Italy, who's uh, they've evaluated some. But uh, Gibbs Lawhorn is someone that uh, is very, very talented. They could use another guard. And uh, Tim Anderson seems to have an in there. And Illinois getting the first visit after him decommitting from, from Purdue gives them a, a legit chance. So, uh, yeah, I know in the past, I remember the excitement around a Trent Frazier official visit way back when, and he's kind of ranked in that similar range. So uh, not saying that fans aren't excited to, to get him on campus, but it just shows the standard that, oh, a top 100 guard course. I and mean, that's what Bradenwood does. Yeah. And um, you mentioned Tim Anderson. It's like, yeah, he's, he's uh his streak of commitments was broken by Imani Hansberry. So like, he's got to get back on this. Come on. He's got, he's got a standard to uphold. This is the greatest year and a half of recruiting we might've seen out of an Illinois uh, assistant coach. Okay. Um, Dre Gibbs Lawhorn was committed to Purdue. Um, what, what are the question marks uh, about him, his game, Derek? Um, and, and do we know anything about the, the Purdue situation? I think when you, you read into it and you hear what's been said on those who cover Purdue is that the people around him have been a, a hurdle to get over in terms of colleges and Purdue once having him committed uh, of just dealing with, with everything that's around him. He's got a lot of people in his ear. Uh, it seems to be kind of a, of a circus around him. At least that's what's been said. And uh, look, it's, it's college basketball recruiting. It's recruiting in general. There are going to be some higher maintenance recruitments than there are uh, and some other instances. So it just seems like that that is a factor there. And then I know that on the Purdue side, it's that uh, NIL became a big conversation piece. And uh, I think it's a lot less of an issue for Illinois, knowing how aggressive they've been on that front. We've talked a lot about Illinois being ahead of the curve in the way that they've set up the infrastructure to be competitive in the NIL arena. And Purdue doesn't, there's been a couple of examples now where it doesn't seem like Purdue is all that competitive. And there are questions of how much, interest there is by Purdue to really compete with some of the big boys in NIL or which is not the case with Illinois basketball right now (laughs) it is not the case there is an appetite there and there are resources to to make that happen so I don't I don't look at that as an issue uh from Illinois standpoint I think in terms of his game it's just getting back to the consistency that he had pre-injury and watching some of his film from the summer he just he had some moments in particular in the summer with his jump shot his three-point shot was hot and cold. I know that in the spring he shot on the UIBL circuit around 36, 37% from three and a pretty good volume, which is, which is great. And then you go into the summer and I think he was sub 30% and just had some moments where he'd get hot and had some moments where he was kind of a chucker. And, and that's something that he needs to be more consistent with. And um, his handle, I know that for Illinois that looks at him as a additional ball handler, maybe someone that can run some offense through, there's been some moments where he's had some turnovers and has been a little loose with the ball. So Again, for, for someone that missed a year and he's only a, a year removed from a serious injury, you understand that that certainly factors into it, but uh, still a, a very talented player and, and there's a lot to like about him. So what's the second recruitment look like, Derek? I've heard a lot of schools that are kind of in the mix with him. Uh, he doesn't throw out a lot of offers. He just tweeted out his offer or Instagrammed his offer of Illinois, which I'm sure he's had for a little bit. Um, Illinois getting the first official visit of the fall, I believe. So who else is involved here and, and what's this recruitment look like? As far as we can tell, it looks like Illinois and Memphis are the most serious players about him. They were both at Mount Bird the first day of the 
open recruiting period earlier this month to see him. And uh, Memphis actually had the first scheduled visit, which then got rescheduled and Illinois slotted in and, and took that. So uh, it seems like those two are definitely big players. And then beyond that, other schools that have been mentioned, Texas, Virginia, Gonzaga, uh, UCLA in the past has been linked. Uh, North Carolina has been reported to have a little bit of interest. But uh, I think that this has been the time where once open recruiting has gone back, which if you're wondering what that is, just coaches going back on the road and being able to see these these guys and meet with them and really show how interested they ultimately are. Uh, I know Chris Beard was down at Mount Verde uh, last week, I believe. Now, there are a lot of players down there at Mount Verde, so just a coach going in that building doesn't necessarily mean they're all in on Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn. Uh, there are a handful of five-stars each and every year playing for Mount Verde. So I think beyond Illinois and Memphis, it remains to be seen who's really, really serious about him. Those are the, the schools that have already established themselves as major players. And beyond that, I think there's there's kind of still a, a wait-and-see process. Just keep Penny Hardaway away from the golf course, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that recruitment seems so long ago. What was that Jordan Nesbitt? Was that, that Jordan Nesbitt. Can you whiteboard that? One. Can you whiteboard that, Derek? I don't know if people <laughs> all understood that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seemed like Jordan Nesbitt was going to Illinois. It was trending. Well, first it was SLU. That was one of the recruitments. I'm not going to say the recruitment because we've covered some some crazy ones, and I know you have on the football side as well. But uh, it was trending towards SLU, and then ultimately it wasn't. And then it seemed like Illinois might have been the destination for a hot week or so. And then down the stretch, he – was trending and went to Memphis and it was kind of like, well, he was, he was quoted as saying when Penny Hardaway called me from the golf course, it showed that he really wanted me. And uh, that really sold it uh, for Jordan Nesbitt to go to Memphis. So, uh, and since then you've seen Illinois roll out a new, uh, very nice and updated and expensive golf cart of their own. They drive right. recruits around campus for us. So that shouldn't be an issue anymore, apparently. Yeah, and uh, they got the NIL money to step up the game, too. Uh, certainly seems to be the way for Illinois right now. Okay, if they can get Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn at some point, Derek, uh, how would he fit? What would it mean to add him to Imani Hansberry in this class of 2023? It just give you more depth at the guard spot and continue to elevate the the depth of talent and just the level of talent when you can bring back Sky Clark, Jaden Epps, Sincere Harris, those are three guys that were ranked inside the top 100 24-7 sports in the 2022 class. You throw Ty Rogers in the mix as well, who's going to have the ball in his hands quite a bit, and you could even consider a guard. I know he's kind of that Swiss Army knife, call him whatever you want. He's a basketball player. Uh, and just another ball handler in that backcourt, another shot maker. I think him and Jaden Epps have plenty of parallels in terms of that score first combo guard can play on the ball, can play off the ball. Uh, and they're, they're high volume scorers. I know that when Purdue had uh, Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn committed, those around the program, those who covered it said they're selling him on a Carson Edwards like role. And then when we talked about Jaden Epps, I, I kind of saw that as kind of the mold for Jaden Epps as well. So just having another bucket getter back there. And if one of those guys or both of them can really figure out being another piece in that ball screen to initiate offense. It just gives you more weapons uh, in that backcourt. And uh, to have Gibbs Lawhorn and Hansberry would be a really, really good class. Still have some flexibility in the portal. And you just never know also what, how a roster is going to unfold after a season, knowing the transfer portal, knowing now when you recruit so much talent, guys can leave early for the NBA and, and that whole kind of thing. So uh, I think it just, it would elevate Illinois yeah. uh, to having more depth and, and would really, put a what is already a very good foundation for the future of pieces that can be here for a while 
we just continue to give you two more pieces that are in the top 100 and very talented players in their own right. Yeah, I just did a quick uh, look at the scholarship grid, Derek, and I, I, I used this measurement because it, it fits my thing that I want to say here. I went top 110 to fit in guys like Luke Goody, Sincere Harris, but of the 11 guys that would be on scholarship next year, 12 guys, if they land Gibbs Lawhorn, nine guys would be former top 110 recruits, and one of them that wouldn't would be Coleman Hawkins. Like that's oh, wow. that's a pretty that's a pretty dang talented roster, right there. Yeah, that's been kind of the standard of Michigan State traditionally, and then what Michigan's done here recently. Ohio State has routinely pulled in guys in the top 100. I mean, that's that's a great depth of talent, and and recruiting at a level where yeah, like we mentioned, kind of at the forefront of a top 100 guard just visiting. Like if Illinois during the John Gross era or even early on in Brad Underwood, when they got a top 100 players, like, oh, that's that's kind of a big deal. Now the roster is just full of them. Yeah. Uh, Zachary Perrine and Brandon Lieb would be the other two, by the way. So just, <laughs> just to sell you that. Uh, that'd be a pretty dang good another addition to, to this roster that uh, has been unbelievable build uh, by Brad Underwood and now his revamped Illinois staff. All right, Derek, speaking of that, uh, the on-the-court stuff that's actually happening with the current team, got to see some of them at the meet-and-greet uh, hosted by the Illini Guardians. Those guys made some good money doing that, uh, which is awesome to see. But uh, they start some real work. Uh, they've been working all offseason with Fletch and all that, some with the, the coaches, which is really limited, I think eight hours a week. But it's going to improve or increase to about 20 hours uh, within the next week or so. Um, so a lot of hands-on work with the the coaches as a team let's talk about some of the the big storylines that i think we need to talk about with what a month and a half left before the season maybe 45 50 days Uh, i think number one the biggest question mark about this team is the freshman point guards right like brad underwood did not get a transfer point guard which we kind of expected them to do but part of the reason was he landed a very talented freshman in Sky Clark that a veteran didn't want to come in here and be the backup to. Uh, and then Jade Nepps, of course, is a, is a top you know, 75 prospect as well. But that's the position that you know you can have success with. We saw it with Ohio State last year with you know, Malachi Branham running a lot of the, of the lead guard there. But um, you can also have some ups and downs. So what, what do you think about what Illinois has so far at, at freshman guard? And, and how quickly do you think those guys can – you know, kind of work out some of the the rough areas here. They have some very talented pieces. It's just, as you mentioned, freshmen tend to tend to make, especially early, uh, a lot of mistakes, turnovers, especially for a team that's going to play really up tempo. I wonder how that's going to all develop. And while over the summer they just kind of let these guys play together, mesh together, uh, try to play a lot of five on five, and just get a feel for each other, and just let their let their games go and, and kind of just feel that out. And also it's a lot of skill development this fall. And while they've done the eight hours here recently, and then going into the 20 is more system implementation plays. And for a freshman who's learning that all for the first time, that's a lot to put on the plate of a freshman point guard, not to have a Trent Frazier to kind of guide you through as, you know, Andre Carbello got to have that with Frazier and Io DeSumo. And uh, now having a freshman point guard even if it's going to be Ty Rogers because it's it's interesting you're going to have Sky Clark who's most likely your freshman point guard starter and then Jaden Epps and Ty Rogers are your next in line to be uh, point guard options off the bench so those are three freshmen how those guys handle that is going to be very interesting uh, I think you are going to see some mistakes uh, interested to hear how Sky Clark is 
continuing to progress and you know, off being cleared from the injury at the end of the summer and uh, just having him get back in a rhythm because he hasn't played a whole lot of full go, full speed. Obviously, he hasn't played in a game in a while either, uh, how he handles that. I know Jaden Epps, very talented scorer, but kind of the facilitating aspect of it, that was something you heard out of the summer, was something that he still needed to work quite a bit on in terms of being a passer, making the right reads. And I know Ty's a, a very – kind of mature player overall you're probably not going to worry too much about him making the right decisions making good passes it's just whether you're going to if you're going to put him in ball screens can he make jump shots or, or show that kind of ability so for a team that's got a ton of talent it's got a lot of depth it's got a lot of exciting athleticism and versatility just not to be held back by having too much inexperience at point guard and yeah i'm, I'm with you that's the biggest question and uh, very intrigued to see how that plays out more from a, a macro sense here uh the system i mean this this team's not only going to look different physically and that their length, they're versatile, but Brad Underwood's going to use them differently, right? There's no Kofi Coburn in the middle of the floor on both sides of the court. And for a lot of reasons, that was a good thing for Illinois, but also with this team, there are different ways. So what, what do we expect the system to be? I know we've heard a little bit about, about it from, from Brad Underwood, but this is an important part, uh, important part to actually implement that now. I know the emphasis on transition game, which isn't going to be a new thing for Illinois. They've done that in the past, but of course you're going to have some new players that are going to be getting accustomed to that. I think kind of hand in hand with playing transition, I think defensively is something that you're going to re really be interested to see how they dial up some pressure potentially. You know, I know that Ty Rogers told us over the summer that they've been practicing defending full court. I'm not saying they're going to do that all the time. I don't think they will, but uh, being able to throw out some full court pressure, being able to I mean dabble in the passing lanes are not going to be 30 feet away from the basket denying as they did year one of Brad Underwood but I think with more length more athleticism they can create some more turnovers than they have in, in recent years and they've been very good defensively it's just something they haven't uh, really done is, is turn up those turnover numbers so uh, I think they'll switch uh, you know really two through four maybe even having Coleman two through five Coleman could probably switch on to a guard or a wing and kind of just having a new new principles defensively and then offensively you're still going to see a lot of ball screen of course instead of just a rim roll every time with Kofi you're going to have the ability to play some pick and pop with Coleman and, and what that ultimately looks like but you're also going to play some wings in ball screens you're going to play a ball screen for Matthew Meyer maybe even play a ball screen for Coleman Hawkins and I know that Brad has even mentioned potentially getting back to some spread offense as well so uh, there are just so many things that he can tinker with and trying to find ways to get guys shots and uh, it, there's a lot more options it's just repping those and getting guys comfortable and, and dabbling with those lineup combinations as well that in the past it's been well we're going to throw the ball to Kofi 50% of the time and then when we're not doing that we're going to run a ball screen with the point guard and Kofi and it's uh, going to be a lot more options now but you got to be able to, to work that in and see how that plays out. One thing that I have to remind myself of, Derek, is, yeah, Illinois wanted to push the ball in transition last year, but they didn't make many layups. Like, I'd, I'd have to do this, but, like, outside of Kofi Coburn, how many how many made field goals were around the rim for, for this team last year? Like, Brad Underwood said, we're not a good layup-making team because Trent Frazier was small. DeMonte Williams wasn't all that explosive or, or great off the bounce, right? Um, Jacob Grandison, that was not his game. So when Coleman Hawkins would come in and kind of developed late in the year and you're seeing him take off the bounce, you're like, oh, oh, that looked easy. 
you got a lot of those guys now. Uh, like Terrence Shannon, maybe not ball handling is his strength, but he can take somebody off the dribble. Matthew Meyer is really good uh, in that. Sky Clark can, can attack the basket. Maybe we'll have to see how explosive he is off his knee, but R.J. Melendez, right? Like I think that's why people were so enamored with him was – he was able to rise and, and finish pretty easily. Um, this team should be more effective in transition because they're longer, they're more explosive, they're bigger, right? So you would hope that would translate to more easy buckets because Illinois had to work for its uh, shot opportunities last year. Yeah, a lot of times the best shot in transition last year was Plummer yep. spotting up from three. And he actually was one of the better finishers at the rim, shockingly, <laughs> for as small as he was, some of those high – kisses off the glass that he was able to execute was kind of surprising but yeah you have some more above the rim athletes you have more guys that can make a play off the dribble break down a defense and I think that maybe it is just less uh, set plays and maybe just having ball move I know that uh, Jeff Goodman today at Illinois practice saying how much length there is and just how much the ball moves it might just be a lot of flowing offense of all right you're going to move the ball we saw with uh, the 05 team, not saying they're going to be 05, but just the ball movement, break a guy down, oh, that creates this rotation, kick it out. You know, the floor spacing is going to be there, so the lane should be wide open, especially when Coleman's playing the five and uh, see what that ultimately looks like. Of course, you got to have that that chemistry to continue to gel, and that's one of the keys of this season as well, just how quickly that comes together for this team and a lot of hours coming up to work on that. Yeah, I think you and I have mentioned it. Like, the, the early schedule and having freshman guards and all these new players, like – it, it, there could be some stinkers. There's some, there could be some clunkers in there. But I think by the end of the year, it could be uh, really, really good as well. Uh, the competition on the wings, uh, I, I'm really interested in because we're expecting Ty Rogers to play a lot, whether it's point guard minutes or on the wing. I mean, he could play one through four, right? Uh, Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon, going to play probably two of the highest minutes uh, on the team along with Coleman Hawkins. Um, but that, that means R.J. Melendez, Luke Goody, Ty Rogers, you know, Sincere Harris, if you want to throw him in there, all competing for minutes. Um, we don't talk a lot as much about Melendez and Goody and how they fit into this, even though Melendez, man, uh, probably going to be a starter. And, and we saw towards the end of the year, uh, his potential is through the roof. Brad Underwood keeps saying this guy's going to be a star in the Big Ten. Um, so he's a really important piece of this team, Derek, that, that we don't talk a, a ton about. Yeah, certainly. It's funny how the transfer portal and what Illinois was able to do, it's talked about from is R.J. Melendez going to be the next sophomore breakout NBA draft pick? Is R.J. Melendez going to get enough opportunities? Now, I'm not saying that he's going to – he's not going to start because I think he will. Uh, I think that he's in competition with Ty Rogers to crack that starting lineup, and I, I would expect Brad to go with the veteran. I just think that R.J. still has a lot to like with his talent and – uh, seeing him do more things off the dribble this year because I know that he was uh, I know he didn't take that many threes but he shot an efficient percentage we know that he was good in transition and yeah I think the way that he's able to fit in as kind of that sidekick on the wing to Terrence and, and Matthew Meyer is going to be interesting to see Ty's going to be on everybody's heels because number one Brad already loves him and mm-hmm. how could you not with how he's going to play defense uh, how he's going to make the right plays and uh, what that means for R.J. Melendez's minutes, what that means for Luke Goody. We, Luke Goody's a tough dude. He's a good shooter. He's a guy that also um, the staff trusts to be in the right places, to make the right passes, uh, and to not make too many mistakes. It's just going to be interesting to see how that, that whole thing sorts out mm-hmm. um, and whether Luke can play good enough defense because I think the other guys in that rotation are, long, are more athletic and uh, more dynamic offensively. 
Um, and then you have a guy like Ty who's still a freshman trying to crack in with a lot of veterans. And, yeah, I mean, Matthew Meyer and, and Terrence Shannon are going to play. I'd be surprised they don't both play around 30 minutes a game. So uh, outside of that, who else really solidifies himself as a, a big storyline? Dane Danger. Because um, we talked early on in the offseason. You and I were hearing the hype, especially from one Brad Underwood publicly, about mm-hmm. Dane Danger. And we're like, wait a minute, this guy's played nine college minutes, right? Like, it's just like, why are we plugging him into a starting lineup when you can have a starting lineup of Hawkins, you know, uh, Melendez, Meyer, Shannon, Sky Clark? Like, I just like that lineup being more versatile. And then you have the versatility of Danger, who gives you something different at the five, and Hawkins can play with him, Meyer and Shannon can play with him, and have a point guard on the court, right? That seems to have died down a little bit, and I'm happy about that. And, Derek, we were texting, and you gave me a good cop of what his role could be. Can you share that? Do you remember that? Did I tell you Georgie? Yes. Yeah. A Georgie-like role makes a lot more sense than kind of the early, what was it, May hype we were hearing. You mean when he was the best ball handler on the team? I still think they say that, it seems like. They still do say that. It's just, yeah. And, look, I I watched Dane in AAU. You know, I've seen him a handful of years ago when he was a prospect, and I I really, really liked him. I think now, especially that his body's right, he's got a chance to be a very good player. He's just still very unproven in college. And Coleman Hawkins, while he still has steps to make going forward, is a a lot more proven than Dane, Uh, has been through a lot more of those those in-game battles and whatnot. And, yeah, I, I think that is Coleman going to be Kofi in terms of eating up all the minutes of the five? Not necessarily, but uh, Georgie-like role in that 15 minutes. Some night it might be 18 to 20. Some night it may be 12 to 10. Uh, it just I think that him coming in and kind of being someone that can be productive in a limited role, it's just uh, I think that versus kind of the early buzz of this guy's no doubt going to start at the five or he's going to be one of the best players on the team. Or that the expectation uh, is he's Trevion Williams. Like, let, maybe, maybe eventually. Maybe. Like, let's let's see him play some college games first. That, that's yeah. my only thing is, like, I thought it was a little bit too much. Like, I think the Georgie expectation um, is good. That That's a good player. That That's a very useful player. And I, I'm not sure, like, that would be a win for Illinois if you get that in the transfer portal and then if you think he can reach that ceiling later in the season or next year maybe when Hawkins is gone that's a great piece to have it's just you know when when you have such a small sample size of guys I just don't think you should plug them in as starters over guys who are you know more proven at this level right and I think that if, if Brad does in certain stretches want to go spread offense can you put Dane Danger in the pinch post and let him do some things and if you take a Zach Eady off the dribble, yeah. then yeah, I think that that would be something that in spots is going to make a lot of sense. He's going to be a factor on the team, just the difference between being a 20 to 25 minute a game guy versus a little bit less than that. And yeah, like you said, Georgie was a valuable role player. I know that he was an up and down roller coaster yeah, yeah. and with Dane playing his first full season might be somewhat similar, but, and then also one difference between him and Georgie with the seven, four wingspan might be a little bit better if can, contesting around the rim than Georgie was, which is certainly a benefit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited about Danger's skill set. It's something they don't have on the team. That's what's nice about this team is there's so many different pieces. It's just how they all fit together. That's what's going to be so fun uh, about all of this. It's probably going to be messy at times, but I think there's going to be flashes early in the season where this team looks like, oh, they can win the Big Ten, and then there's going to be flashes. That team might be on the bubble, and then probably by Big Ten play, it'll sort itself out, and this team turns into a Big Ten contender.
right? Like I, I think they will be in the mix towards the top of the Big Ten just because there's so much talent, so much versatility. And let's be honest, I think Brad Underwood's a pretty good coach, and I think he'll get the most out of most of these guys. Yep, I agree with all that. And with the challenges early in the schedule, knowing that you're having new systems at both ends of the court, a lot of newcomers, there are going to be some moments. And you do hope that if if you do take some lumps, lumps in Vegas and the Jimmy V Classic, you don't also let one slip at home against Syracuse. And right. we've talked about that when the schedule was released. So being able to have maybe steal a win that on paper people wouldn't expect you to, to get. And then also uh, try to avoid that that bad loss losing the bragging rights game to Missouri. I mean, I think Missouri's going to be uh, better than they have. I mean, how could you not be better than last year? But uh, that's another uh, way to look at it. But by the time things click together, it's just, just so much talent to have. I mean, Meyer and Terrence Shannon would have been all league, maybe even first team Big 12 type of players if they would have stayed mm-hmm. uh, at their respective places. And then now coming to the Big 10, have a chance. To, I mean, Shannon could be first team preseason. I know we were talking about our, our the preseason list for the – the athletics poll and yeah. I know you put Shannon in there. I think Meyer could be a, a second or third team type of guy too. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll I'll preview this a little bit. Um, yeah, we were kind of going back and forth. The athletic and we appreciate those guys. Adam Jardy asks us every year uh, to fill out our poll, and uh, we got Illinois high. We got Illinois high in this list, and uh, I have Iowa higher than other people. We have Maryland higher than other people. I never feel good about having Wisconsin lower than I want to, but the middle is hard. The middle of this league is, is hard. And let's be honest, the top of the league, um, you know, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan state, Michigan, Ohio state. I like you could have those in any kind of number of directions. Uh, but Hunter Dickens and Trace Jackson Davis are no doubt first team guys, right? Zach Eady, first team guy, uh, Chris Murray. Most people are going to put there. Then it gets tough. Like some people probably put Xavier Johnson of Indiana, who was great at the end of last year. I struggle based on what I saw early in the year with Xavier Johnson at times to put him there. I love Cliff Omarui. Uh, I had him third team last year when a lot of people didn't. Uh, Dante Scott, Maryland, they've got some players. The Wisconsin guys, Hepburn and Wall, are pretty good. But I, I think Terrence Shannon is so key, Derek, because of his experience and because he seems to have some leadership. That, like that, That's the buzz you're hearing, I know, and you, you've told us many times. He's going to be very important, I think, early in the season to, to be a steadying influence. I think because things are going to go wrong when, when you're trying to gel like this. Uh, and I think it's going to be very important for him to kind of step up into that leadership role because while Sky and Ty might have some of those things, uh, I think Terrence Chance is probably the best player on this team, the most veteran guy on this team. Uh, and Coleman Hawkins, I think, can be such a positive influence with his energy sometimes. But I, I just think naturally sometimes it's going to be a negative. Um, it's kind of what you deal with when you get a guy like that, which can be a great thing because he's such a good player. But I think Terrence Shannon's got to be that steadying guy. He's been the alpha on this team so far. And I'm not to say there can't be another one to emerge. I think they expect big things out of Matthew Meyer and his experience as well, being someone that's won a national title and has won a lot of games. But yeah, Shannon with his work ethic, with his toughness, the fact that he is a really good defender because he's so strong and athletic and then explosive finisher and he's developed into a really good catch and shoot guy. It's just, I think that that's already the, the floor of a all-conference type of player. And then the type of volume he's going to get at Illinois, the fact that he's going to be more healthy this year with the back that ailed him last year, caused him to miss a month of the, of the season. And then he was limited a little bit since coming back so more healthy more opportunities Illinois wants to play in transition that plays right to his strength and 
Uh, I think that we've talked about it, him being healthier probably means him getting the free throw line more. Uh, one very interesting note with him is just being kind of in that go-to role. He hasn't had that while he's he's been at Texas Tech. He's been a productive player. Having him be a go-to guy, especially late in games, having him get a shot or having Matthew Meyer get a shot, those are two roles that they haven't necessarily been in before. So while they're veteran players, uh, if they can – rise to that occasion that puts them even more in a conversation to be high on those lists here but I'm fully in agreement. I think that uh, Shannon's the leading scorer for Illinois I wouldn't be surprised if he's not 15 plus a game I don't think Illinois is going to have a 20 point per game score like they had the last two seasons but I think he's in that 15 16 range I think he has a great year all right Derek before we get out of here uh baby Kate update give me something Oh man, he's putting his feet in his mouth now. Is that is that okay? That's a nor- uh, that's think, a normal thing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> he started to do that. Uh, he wants to crawl so bad. He hasn't been able to accomplish that. He's rolling over all the time. Um, is he upset when he's not able to move like he wants to? Oh, he's so angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's amazing how angry they get because they just want they just want to move by themselves, and and then you have to do it for them. So you got to yep. carry them around, move them around. He's gonna be so much happier when he can actually move on his own. Uh, when those teeth calm down on him. He's got two that's already poked through, and I think another one is, is, is bothering him a little bit. But we did take him to the zoo last week, and uh, he's not going to remember that. And I'm, <laughs> he's still, you know, getting all of his awareness down. He knows who mom and dad are and some, some people, but yeah. uh, he was staring the penguin in the face, and I, that was just kind of a cool moment. Probably a cooler picture than anything else, but <laughs> for the uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun, man. Yeah, um, my, my biggest advice, we found this Batman roller. It's like a Batmobile, like they could walker kind of thing. My kids crawled for like two weeks and they walked because they, they scooted around in that thing from like five months to 10 months and they couldn't get enough of it. And it just allowed you to be free for like two minutes until they ran into something and then you go check out. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, say more good things about the Batmobile roller if you can find one. I'm all, I'm all about Batman too. So uh, I'm in on that. We do got a little walker now, but it, the Batman one sounds legit, so yeah. we're gonna have to get that get that. Figured it's like out. a zero turn mower, man. It's like amazing how quick. Uh, it's not like one of those big ones that's bulky. Anyway, Derek, you actually make some dinner, right? <laughs> Put him in the kitchen on that. He rolls around and you, you make some dinner for yourself. That's amazing. You learn that as a, as a as an adult, like when you're a parent, it's like oh just five minutes to make dinner uh it's hard to get when you get a newborn in the house well Derek piper thanks for the info info as always uh check out the latest from Derek piper at illiniinquire.com thanks Derek. yep always fun man all right appreciate listening to the illini inquire podcast go find us wherever you get your podcasts rate us review us we appreciate that check us out on youtube put out all our videos and podcasts on that as well everybody take care of each other have a great day we'll talk to you next time on the illini inquire podcast Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.